Well, it's a busy weekend here on the Huskers Radio Network. Women's basketball, men's basketball, baseball, and softball all in action. Let's get you set for all of it with the guys that will be calling the action over the weekend. And let's start with Nebraska softball coming off a 2-2 two two start in Puerto Vallarta over the weekend. They're heading to Las Cruces for the Troy Cox Classic. And so we welcome in Nate Rohr, who will be there in New Mexico for us. Um, Nate, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's start with the unfortunate news of Jordy Ball done for the season, out for the year, uh, but it seems like she's got a really good grasp on it, a perspective on it. Your reaction to the news? Well, obviously it's very disappointing. Uh, of course, most of the excitement for this season centered around Jordy's transferring to the University of Nebraska and all that she had been able to do in two years with Oklahoma. Uh, so obviously very disappointed. Um, but really, in the six months, uh, eight, nine months that Jordy has been a part of Nebraska softball, we've seen that she is a young woman of very deep perspective. Uh, the, the desire to come home outweighed the possibilities of national championships three and four. And so I think that tells you very deeply uh, what, what matters to her and what's important to her. And while softball and being her best at it is very important to her. At the same time, it's outweighed by larger concerns. So I guess I'm not surprised that she has kind of that broader perspective. Uh, my understanding is that the, the healing process for her and, and the work to, to heal up is, is going to start very soon. Uh, and then, you know, to flip it back to the softball side, you certainly hope to see her back out there for the Huskers opening day of 2025. Well, so without Jordy Ball and no longer in the rotation, what does this pitching stuff, what does the rotation kind of look like for the Huskers moving forward? Well, I think there's going to be a pretty heavy dose of Kaylin Kinney, uh, who pitched pretty well last weekend. It looked like she had recovered. Uh, from the hand injury and, uh, as we've found out in, in subsequent weeks, a knee injury uh, that, that needed repaired last summer. So then Kaylin Kenny assumes the number one spot. Um, you know, Sarah Harness looked okay last week. I, I would expect Kenny to get two, maybe three starts. I would expect Harness to get two starts. Uh, we'll see Caitlin Olenski. I'm sure, at least in relief, if not starting. And the injury to Jordy Ball means that we're going to see freshman Emerson Cope uh, pitch quite a bit more than I think we would have this year. I think Cope figured as essentially the number five pitcher for this team, but she was a very good pitcher in high school uh, in Topeka, Kansas. And so with Jordy's injury, everybody moves up a notch. And though I don't expect to see Cope a whole lot this season, especially this week, uh, I think Nebraska will be very interested to see what they have and see where she is at the college level in terms of pitching. Which is good to have because it was something that they didn't have last year, right? Some depth there at that spot. Yeah, there are definitely some options there. There are also some things that they can do uh, to try and extend what they have. I mean, Kaylin Kinney tends to be more of a drop baller, more of somebody who works low in the zone. Sarah Harness tends to go up in the zone. Um, you know, you can use those two essentially against and maximize their effectiveness. Uh, Caitlin Olenski has a lot of possibility as somebody 
who doesn't throw hard but throws with a lot of movement. Um, so there are ways you can make this pitching staff work. Obviously, you're not going to get the production that you were going to get from a two-time All-American pitcher uh, by piecing it together, but you can still have an effective pitching staff. And it certainly helps that they still have a lot of pop in the lineup, right? I mean, when you, you talk about you got to score runs, and certainly this lineup has proven with the veteran group that they have coming back that, that they, can, they can hit it pretty well, too. That, that's got to help a pitching staff knowing that they do have the support that we saw at the end of the Puerto Vallarta Challenge uh, last weekend. Yeah, it felt like the lineup came together a little better toward the end of last weekend. Uh, I'll also say that uh, Las Cruces tends to be a very favorable place for hitters. So on one hand, you walk in knowing you have to score a lot of runs. On the other hand, you know that the odds are good that you, you yourself can score a lot of runs. So I'm hopeful that this weekend can be a real confidence boost for a lineup that I, I don't know produced at a level at which you thought they could, especially early on. Of course, you recognize they faced two great pitching staffs to begin the year. Uh, but I, I feel like this can be a real feel-good weekend for the lineup, a, a real weekend for them to heal up uh, heading into another very tough weekend at Cathedral City. I was literally going to ask you that. If I remember correctly, this is a hitter's ballpark, right? Uh, can potentially maybe yeah. see some home run balls, lots of them this weekend? Yeah, it, it's definitely an offensive haven. The fences are not that deep. They're not that tall. Uh, you're at altitude, so all that tend to help out hitters. Uh, New Mexico State always presents a very good lineup, um, but I think that it, there's a little bit of Colorado Rockies effect there. From the standpoint that it's a very favorable ballpark for offense, you're at altitude, uh, the ball carries well there, the distances of the fences aren't very deep, so it's a great place to hit. New Mexico State's offense always has a lot of confidence to it, but I, I feel like Nebraska can gain quite a bit of confidence as well. So if you look at the, the teams that the Husker, Huskers will be facing, going to play five games over three days, New Mexico, Montana, Sacramento State. Um, tell us about some of the matchups, what we should be looking for this weekend, and what the Huskers are looking to accomplish. Well, I was chatting with Rhonda Ravel earlier today, and she mentioned that New Mexico State has a, a pitcher with a good amount of velocity. So that'll be a bit of a challenge for this team, but as we've mentioned uh, they faced two really great pitchers with some velocity last week in Duke and Washington. So that's not a matchup uh, that scares me uh, a whole lot, but it is a challenge. I mean, you're playing an Aggie team in their home ballpark. They expect to win there. Uh, so you have those two games on Friday. Liam Montana State on Saturday and Sacramento State one Saturday, one Sunday. Honestly, it's a weekend that you expect to pick up quite a few wins and, again, gain some momentum. Of course, you wonder where, there's, where those teams' mindset is after the injury to Jordy Ball. Uh, but it is a weekend where you expect Nebraska to have a good amount of success, uh, and you're certainly hopeful that they can do that heading into really a very tough two-week stretch in their schedule, the tournament in Palm Springs. Uh, is always one of the toughest in the country, and Nebraska drew very tough there. Uh, and then the weekend after that, they faced Wichita State and Mizzou at home, but Missouri was really one of the stories of the first weekend of the season. So this is really one of your last chances to gain some confidence heading into the tough two-week stretch of this non-conference schedule. And 
I think the Huskers will be able to do it. All right, Nate Rohr, appreciate your time. Again, uh, the Huskers coming up. They'll be in the Troy Cox Classic coming up this weekend. And uh, first game against New Mexico State, 4 o'clock, right? You'll be on the air. What time? Remind listeners. 3.45 pregame ahead of the 4 o'clock first pitch. We should point out that every first pitch has moved, been moved up 30 minutes earlier. But, yeah, 3.45 pregame, 4 o'clock first pitch uh, Friday on the Huskers radio network. You won't be doing any work at that point anyway, so just flip us on. Absolutely. Well, we'll look, uh, we're looking forward to hearing the call. And, yeah, Huskers.com, Huskers app, all of that. We'll have all the good stuff. And we'll even, uh, I think we're going to do some uh, listens, listen-ins again during Sports Nightly. That was fun last week. So uh, we'll look forward to hearing you on the call again this weekend. Nate Rohr uh, with Husker Softball. Hey, thanks for having me. We now welcome in the voice of Nebraska men's basketball, Kent Pavelka. The Huskers will be back at home inside Pinnacle Bank Arena on 11 a.m. That's the early one, Kent. You ready for that one? I don't know. I'm <laughs> going to have to get there probably around 6, I think. You know, I, I, I get there early enough to record coach before they do their pregame meal. So uh, I'll get up before sun comes up. But I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Well, let's go back. What a what a big win over Michigan, and that especially in that first half, the first fifteen minutes, was that as good as this team has looked all season? I think it. I think it was. Uh, Jake and I were talking about that. Uh, I mean, I was really impressed, uh, and I, I really can't think of a, of you know fifteen minutes in that first fifteen minutes where um, Michigan. Uh, you know, isn't very good right now. But notwithstanding that, I, I, I was super impressed. And I, uh, you know, it's going to take that kind of effort and focus, I think, for these last three at home to, to win all three of them. Nobody they've got on the schedule is a, an easy mark, including Penn State on Saturday. So how needed was uh, this bye week to get a little bit of rest, maybe get the legs underneath them? They had a tough stretch there leading into uh, actually getting a little bit of time this past week. Are you asking how needed it was for the radio announcers, <laughs> for the basketball players? I mean, I mean, it was, you know, there was a stretch there that was uh, brutal. And, you know, we were at Northwestern, excuse me, at Illinois, got on a plane late, came back home, spent like 18 hours at home, went right back to Illinois to play at Northwestern. And, uh, you know, I, I think had they stayed there, they might have won that game. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it, this has been like a vacation for me uh, this week. <laughs> uh, I, but yeah, I think the players really needed it. You know, I think that you know, there's nobody's really done done the uh, the homework here. I don't think, but I don't think there's another Big Ten team that has had the kind of schedule Nebraska has relative to game after game after game, just three and four days at the most in between, and then it had the advantage of more time off and uh, and no travel so I think it caught up with them and they needed this one of the things we've seen over the last couple of games is that change for coach Hoiberg to start with the big lineup and have uh, Josiah Rink and uh, Bryce all out on the floor together um, and Juwan at, at that so um, what are you seeing out of that lineup uh, why has that lineup been been good for this team to start well I mean obviously they can they can defend uh with that group and they're better on the boards um and uh, you know bryce has got such versatility that you know he can help you anywhere uh, all the way from point guard to to playing 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I like Jamarcus coming off the bench. I think that he has embraced that. He said so. Um, and he comes off with an energy uh, along with CJ uh, that I really like that mix, you know, with, with Jamarcus coming off the bench. He's played some of his best basketball. Uh, so um, I think it's it's got some magic. All right, let's talk about Penn State, and Coach Hoiberg has alluded to this. That's It's a different kind of matchup, right? Um, what, what does that entail for the Huskers? Uh, what do they have to be ready for with uh, Penn State coming up on Saturday? Well, I mean, they're, they're, they've been really impressive. Now, I understand they've lost their last two games. They lost at Northwestern. Keep in mind, they only lost by six points, and at 68 to 62, I think it was. Uh, I was really impressed. I mean, Nebraska didn't play that competitively against Northwestern at Northwestern. They lost on Wednesday night at home to Michigan State. Michigan State's playing way better than they were when Nebraska. They had won three straight, including two road games. Uh, they're, they're a team that is unlike other teams in the conference. They're, they seem oblivious to the score. I mean, they can get down. They were down double digits in three conference games, came back to win. They will play hard especially defensively uh for 40 minutes i know it's a cliche but they really will now get out on the perimeter and pressure you um they don't rebound it as well as the you know the the bigger stronger teams in the conference but they can turn you over with the best so uh berg will say the the keys are going to be once again you know take care of the basketball but i don't think they'll have the trouble on the boards that the huskers won't have the trouble on the boards that they have had uh, in games of late. All right, Kent, the biggest question, what is the biggest difference between the Huskers at home and PBA and the Huskers on the road? How can they take some of the magic from Lincoln and take it on the road and, and get that road win? I just think, uh, you know, a lot has been made of that. 0-7 in the conference. There aren't very many teams that have won more than one or two games uh, on the road in the yeah. conference. So by comparison, it's not it's not that dramatic, uh, but I think it could be costly when it comes Selection Sunday if they don't pick up one. Uh, I don't know if you caught uh, the, the World Herald article uh, on Wednesday or Thursday, um, the, the research into the history of uh, the Power Five conferences being uh, you know, selected as an at-large team, there has not been an at-large team pick that has not won at least one conference road game. So, um, you know, for not good news. All right. Well, I, you, I think you, you retweeted someone that told you the teams that we need to be rooting for this weekend. Um, you know, but but you do you believe that this is an NCAA tournament team? What needs to happen over? I mean, the the season's winding down. What do they need to do to make sure to secure that spot? Well, I mean, I don't know that anybody knows. It'll, a lot of it will depend on what, like you said, that some of the other teams in content on the bubble, how they do. Um, I, I believe they are NCAA tournament worthy. I mean, just on the, on the, on the basis of, 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 of some of the wins they've had. They, you know, who else has beaten two top ten teams? Can you answer that? I don't know if anybody can. Um, but and, and, and should you be penalized because they were at home? They both were at home. I, I, I don't understand. I do understand. They, they won't. So, uh, but yeah, I think they're definitely an NCAA team. I just hope that it all works out. All right. Well, 11 a.m. We talked about it. You guys are going to be on the air at 10 a.m. You think Jake can be there on time for you? 
I don't know, but would you call me and wake me up? <laughs> <laughs> Not at 6 a.m. on a Saturday. Uh, yeah. Great stuff, Kent Pavelka. Make sure you get your coffee and ready, uh, coffee and all that good stuff ready to go on Saturday right, morning. The, Jake and Kent will be on the call for you. 10 a.m. pregame show coming up on Saturday, leading to uh, leading up to the 11 a.m. tip-off with Penn State inside PBA. KP, thanks for your time. Thanks, Jessica. We now welcome in the voice of Nebraska women's basketball, Matt Coatney. The Huskers have had quite the week. They knocked off number two Iowa on Sunday, then had a tough one at Ohio State. They're preparing to take on Purdue on the road again, 3 o'clock on Saturday. Coatney, thanks for joining us. Jessica, I love doing this. Great being on with you. Thank you. Well, you just heard me say it. Before we talk about Iowa, let's talk about the, the tough matchup at Ohio State. Ohio State, State arguably is the best t team in the Big Ten. You kind of had a feeling that would be a tough task for the Huskers. Yeah, I did, and a lot of the reason for it has nothing to do with Ohio State. Um, it's just having one day to prepare, and then you're coming off the afterglow of just that great game against Iowa on Super Bowl Sunday. But then you start looking at Ohio State, their pressure defense, is the best I've ever seen yeah. in women's college basketball. They're strong. They have length. And uh, they have very, very veteran players. I definitely think they're the best team in the Big Ten. And so you add that all together, being on the road, you only have one day to prepare. I knew it was going to be a very, very tough matchup for Nebraska, and it certainly was. Well, I do have to ask you about the big win over Iowa. How was it being part of that, the comeback, the court storm, all of the above? I, I had to imagine you're just beside yourself sitting down there courtside. Oh, I had the best seat in the house. And you talk about a great atmosphere, 15,000-plus. Security people told me there were people standing outside at 4 a.m. to get the good general admission seats. Very hard for me to, to hear Jeff Grish uh, on headset. Uh, you know, I really did not see that coming at the end of the third quarter with Nebraska trailing by 14. But that defensive effort by the Huskers and that change in defense by Amy Williams, and particularly the defensive effort uh, that Kendall Moriarty had, who mainly was responsible for guarding Caitlin Clark in that fourth quarter, and the way the Huskers came back and the way it happened, the, the Jazz Shelley three over in the corner was just magical. It'll be one of the shots that everybody remembers. Uh, my phone... Uh, did not stop blowing up until probably middle of Tuesday afternoon. Uh, it took me till about 9.30 on Sunday night, about the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, to finish responding to, to Sunday's messages. It, it was magical. And, uh, you know, when, when I think about all the games I've done, I'm pretty lucky. About once every 10 to 15 years, you get a magical moment like that in uh, what a what a great time for all of Husker Nation. I I just it's hard to put into words unless you're unless you're right there living it like I was. Just how, how just how wonderful it was. Yeah, and just I mean you you just said it, you we've been calling games a long time to see the growth, and even Coach Williams has talked about this. But you know to to think it was a sellout the first time in PBA and the largest audience to ever watch on Fox and uh, for a women's college basketball game and we've talked so much about the the growth of women's sports but it had to feel really special too just again to see the sellout to see Pinnacle Bank Arena sold out for a women's college basketball game yeah you know i i started calling division 1 women's basketball um, in 1985 at what was then Southwest Missouri State um, you know, I've seen games in which you could count the numbers of people with your fingers. And then uh, I was there for the first sellout in uh, 
the program's history at the Devaney Center after winning the Big 12 title at Oklahoma, and then the trophy was presented in a game against Missouri at the Devaney Center. That was that was very special. But this was something different because of uh, it would being Super Bowl Sunday. I, I don't I think that can't be lost on people. Is that time frame that Nebraska got on the Big Fox over the air network kind of made that special because there was a lot going on that day. All the attention on on Caitlin Clark chasing the record, but then Nebraska flipping the story. And the atmosphere in there, you know, uh, there were a lot of Iowa fans in there. It was probably probably not all the way two to one, but maybe, you know, two and a half to one uh, Husker fans to Iowa fans. And so the dynamic in there is part of that story, no question about it. So uh, it was great for me. And to see what's happened with women's sports uh, lately, you know, I've been a part of, of women's sports a long time, since uh, the first year of Division One after Title IX. And it's very important to me. And uh, I'm, I'm just happy for everybody, everything that's going on throughout the world of, of women's college sports. Well, one of the things I, I had multiple people say to me was that solidifies their spot in the NCAA tournament, given that they take care of business uh, the remainder of this regular season. What's your take on that? How solidified are the Huskers in the NCAA tournament field right now? Well, you, you nailed it. As long as they take care of business. And I'll tell you how fragile it is. Uh, back in 2006, Nebraska was 10-1 and on Valentine's Day facing Marcia Sharp in Texas Tech, and they went um, in the next seven games, they lost six out of seven and didn't make the NCAA tournament. Mm. So I think it's still a little early to say somebody's in the NCAA because the tournament selection committee does look at your last five games and then your last ten games. Uh, Nebraska has very winnable games, two on the road and two at home. And um, two of those games on the road are against teams they've already defeated earlier this year in Purdue and Illinois. They host a Minnesota team that uh, they lost to in Minneapolis, but they're different now with Mara Braun out with the leg injury. And then Northwestern is is kind of bringing up the rear with Rutgers at the bottom of the league. But Nebraska lost to Rutgers, so anything can happen. But if Nebraska takes care of business in their final four games and goes at least three and one, uh, I think that that win over Iowa was needed because the loss to Rutgers just two weeks ago, I really thought, Put Nebraska on the wrong side of the bubble, and I think right now they're not on the bubble. The RPI uh, went down to 33 with the loss to Ohio State the other night, uh, but the I'm sorry, not the RPI, the net evaluation tool. But I think they've got the resume right now. They've got the wins. They're in the conference. I think Nebraska, as long as they don't spit the bit in these last four games, they can win, you know, three of the four then um, I don't think they have a lot to do with the conference tournament because if Nebraska does that, they're likely going to get a double bye in the Big Ten tournament and be in the quarterfinals as their first-round game. So uh, it solidifies it. They still have some work to do. I would never say anybody's in the NCAA tournament on um, the middle of February, but I think that certainly pushes them really, really close, as, as just as you said, as long as they take care of business here uh, going down the stretch. All right, let's talk about Purdue and a team that Nebraska already has beaten here at home. Um, what's that matchup look like? What do the Huskers have to do to secure that win on the road at Purdue? You know, Purdue is a lot like Fred Hoiberg's team. You know, they are much better at home than on the road. Purdue has not been good on the road, and they showed that at Pinnacle Bank Arena last month when they were here. Purdue has got some very, very good players 
Uh, Madison Layton is uh, leading the Big Ten in three-point field goal percentage. He's a veteran. Uh, Mary Ashley Stevenson is a freshman who, very much like Natalie Potts, has emerged on the scene as a forward, and she is tough to deal with underneath. And then you have Abby Ellis, who is a great three-point shooter working at the guard position. And then Janae Terry is a uh, triple-double waiting to happen and has had triple-doubles before and has had great games against Nebraska. So the main problem with the game at Purdue is just like the game at Ohio State, Nebraska only has really one day to prepare for this because they got back very late after the Ohio State game on Wednesday night. Uh, Amy Williams is going to have that male practice team out there. So Purdue's a different animal at home. They they don't have a great record, but at home they have caused problems for a lot of really good teams. So Nebraska's got to be ready for them. Uh, the number one thing they have to do is control the glass. And Alexis Markowski has just been dominant on the boards this season, leading the Big Ten in rebounding. He's got to make sure that Mary Ashley Stevenson does not go off for a bunch of rebounds, stay out of foul trouble, but hit Purdue early, not get behind. Uh, you know, Nebraska got behind at Michigan, got behind at Ohio State, got behind against Iowa. It would be nice if Nebraska could come out, throw that first punch, get a lead, and then protect the lead instead of having to run uphill. It's hard to run uphill on the road. And they're going to be battling fatigue because this is two very tough road games after an emotional home win on Super Bowl Sunday. This is three games in a week. And anytime you play three games in a week, it's not easy. So uh, those are the things that concern me about the Purdue matchup. Okay, so four games left. What would you like to see this team start to put together um, here to, to close out the season and, again, continue to solidify their spot in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think roles right now. You know, Kendall Moriarty has entered the starting lineup. And uh, I think Amy Williams is still trying to figure out what the best lineup is. Camo gives Nebraska a lot more of a defensive look. When Callan Hake is in there, she's more of a threat offensively. Both good uh, players all the way around, but that's just more what their specialty is. So I think solidifying that lineup right now uh, really will help Nebraska. And then consistency. As I said, they need to start off games well because their last three games they have not. Um, and then you're talking about two tough games on the road against teams you've already defeated, not being complacent to say, oh, we've already beaten this team, understanding the importance there. And then, um, of course, playing good Nebraska basketball, not turning the ball over and, and winning the rebounding battle. Nebraska has been at the top of the league and rebounding margin throughout the, throughout the year. If you rebound, you can win games, and Nebraska has proven that. So if they do all that, I feel pretty good about these last four games. All right, Matt Cotney, appreciate your time. Uh, look for, looking forward to the call you'll be on with Jeff Grish. Uh, 3 o'clock tip, but they'll be on for the pregame show starting at 2.30 on the Huskers Radio Network. Thank you for your time. Enjoyed it, Jess. Thank you very much. Again, we will have all the action of all the Husker athletics. Crazy busy weekend right here on the Huskers Radio Network. Make sure you're tuned in, listening, Huskers Radio app on across all of our um, Huskers Radio Network platforms. And uh, we'll have all the highlights for you. And we'll be back here on Sports Nightly to break it all down for you on Monday night. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Huskers Radio Network podcast.